week you live in a money pit Money pit If your basement needs a pump Or your place looks like a dump You live in a money pit Money pit Pick up the telephone Fix up your home sweet home I call it Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to answer your home improvement question to help solve your do-it-yourself dilemma. Help yourself first. Head to the phone. Pick it up. Call us. 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. We'd love to talk to you about what's going on in your Money Pit. Want to turn it from house to home to castle? Turn to the phones first. Pick up the phone. Call us, 888-MONEY-PIT. We want to help. Coming up this hour, spring is in the air, and that means we're all going to be spending more time outdoors. If so, why not add some exterior light to your house? You can transform kind of a ho-hum slab of grass into a dramatic exterior living area with the right lighting scheme. We'll tell you how to do just that in just a bit. And they say that good fences make good neighbors, but they also add style and value to your home. So we're going to give you some tips on picking and building the right fence for your needs. Also, before you start celebrating the end of the snow, remember it also means the beginning of the lawn mowing season. We're going to tell you how to make sure that part of your spring goes well with tips to get your lawn mower in shape. Boy, you can't just catch a break with your outdoor space ever. (laughs) There's no resting season. There's always work outside. So does the spring season have you looking at your dingy carpet because you're doing all this cleaning around your house and you're thinking, man, I can clean all the surfaces, but this rug, there's just nothing I can do to spruce it up. Well, if that's you, one lucky caller this hour is going to get a great jump on a new wood floor because we are giving away a $250 gift certificate from Lumber liquidators and they buy directly from the manufacturer so lumber liquidators can give you the best possible deal on everything from laminate to solid cherry flooring so pick up the phone and give us a call right now the number is one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974 leslie who's first mike and george is on the line with a question about a dimmer how can we help you my kitchen is in the center of my house so i get very okay. little light from the windows and i tried an led light i have five 60-watt cams in there. I had heard you mention about a dimmer that would work with the LEDs. My question is, is is there a particular kind? I need one that works with a three-way. Yeah, um, you can go to the Home Depot, and you can pick up the Lutron Skylark Contour C.L dimmer. That's the Lutron Skylark Contour C.L. This is a dimmer that's designed specifically to work with energy-efficient bulbs. It works with CFLs, and it works with LEDs. And specifically, it's adjustable so that you can get the lowest level and then the highest level of light. And therefore, when you move the dimmer up and down, it, it controls that. Typically, with standard dimmers, you can get a flicker because at some point, you're going to be not putting enough power in to bring that bulb on so you get the sort of flickering effect but with this skylark contour c.l line of dimmers you can adjust the low end and this way it'll always be on when you turn the switch on and then you can bring it up from there yeah i was afraid with five cams in the middle of the house it would look like yankee stadium no i actually 
I, I actually have uh, one of these dimmers in my kitchen, and I've got five cans on this dimmer. So I have exactly that situation, and I have uh, uh, LEDs in the in the lights. I have the Philips LEDs in there, the ones that are yellow, and they turn really super clean white light when you turn them on. And I've got that Skylark uh, dimmer controlling the whole thing. Now, that's not a three-way but I'm sure it will work on a three-way. And the thing that's cool about Lutron is as you're putting this together, if you have a question, they have like an 800 toll-free tech support number. You can call them, and there's somebody always standing by to kind of answer your wiring questions. If you can't figure out where the extra wire goes, they'll tell you. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Elaine in Delaware needs some help with a flooring project. What can we do for you? I'm mainly concerned about the fact that I have... Uh some rescue animals and some kids, and every time I try to think of what I can do when I lift up this rug and put a surface down, I need something durable, and uh, I thought of wood, and then I thought of Pergo, and everybody says, no, the dog will scratch it, or the kids will scratch it, and <laughs> then I saw something at a hospital the other day, actually, a, you know, a, like an x-ray area where it takes a lot of traffic, right. and it looked like a heavy-duty plastic, plasticized type of uh, imitation wood and i tried to find out where they got it from but it's nothing i can find in going to the local um, shops you know like lowe's and and home depot you know it might have been luxury vinyl they doubt that in the hospital um what i think you might want to consider is laminate pergo is just one brand of laminate but remember that there are different finishes on these floors and you want to find one that has a commercial finish that will make it the most durable yeah really super durable I think the best option here and the one that's most accessible is to think about using laminate flooring. Laminate flooring can look like wood. It can look Mm -hmm. like tile. It can look like vinyl. And if you get one that has a commercial grade finish on it, it can clearly stand up to the kids and the dogs. I appreciate that very much. You're welcome, Elaine. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, it is the first official weekend in spring, which means your to-do list is probably a to-do encyclopedia list of many, many many pages of things you've got to do around your money pit. That's why we are here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not just busy for accountants this time of year. It is super busy for the home improvers. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT for help with your projects. 888-666-3974. Up next, are you ready to spend more time in your backyard but not ready to sit in the dark while you do it? We can help with tips to add outdoor lighting. That's all coming up next. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they work in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. The Money Pit is brought to you by Bostitch. Professional quality hand tools, pneumatic and cordless nailers and staplers. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your question. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. If you do, you might just be the one lucky caller we pull out of the Money Pit hard hat because this hour we're giving away a $250 gift certificate from our friends at Lumber Liquidators. And that's enough to get started on just about any kind of wood floor you'd like. These folks only sell fully warranted major brand flooring at a very low price and with a guarantee. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT for your chance to win just that. Howard in South Dakota, you've got 
the money pit. What can we do for you today? I've got an older cement block garage and and um, and it's got a bunkhouse in there too. But it's uh, it's got a cellar under one corner, and I guess I the the dirt had settled on the outside, so those the wall on the north and the wall on the east in that cellar was starting to push in, and it made some pretty good sized separations in the block right cracks above the ground and and we dug it out and then put just right in the corner we put a foundation there and then put cement up and then took two two strips of metal one on each side with bolts in them and we got it pulled back pretty good together but there's still some some of those cracks on the outside uh, in those block, and, and uh, I don't know whether just putting mortar back in them. I had a guy tell me if he used carbon fiber to tie those together, where they would stick to the to the block. Well, look, uh, you know, for, first of all, Howard, you're talking about a do-it-yourself structural repair, and I can I, I appreciate uh, your willingness to to attempt this on your own. But that said. It, you know, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. Now, what's most important to understand is that the structural stability on this is being loaded from the top down. So a vertical crack doesn't bother me so much. A horizontal crack where the wall uh, has the potential of being sort of pushed in does bother me. It sounds like you've dealt with the the horizontal crack, but you still have some, some vertical cracks. What I would do is I would simply seal those vertical cracks as best I could. Mortar is not going to work. You're going to need to use uh, a, a sealant that can stick to concrete, like a silicone or something like that. Quickrete has a number of products that will work for this. And then once you get that sealed, uh, then you put the soil back. You need to be very, very, very careful about grading here. The reason this happened is because you had too much water that settled against the foundation. It froze, expanded, and pushed that wall in. If you get the drainage right, that won't happen again because most of the runoff will be away from the wall, and that soil against the exterior wall will stay relatively dry. So the drainage is going to be really important when you put it back, both with the angle of the soil, which should drop about six inches over four feet, and with any gutter system that you have on it, you want to make sure that you extend the downspout. Does that make sense? Yep. I Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Howard. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've spent time and money painting, landscaping, and detailing the exterior of your home, why not shine some light on it? You know, outdoor lighting can add drama to your home as well as safety, and it doesn't have to be expensive. First, you've got to figure out which areas you want to light. Now, consider lighting high traffic areas, your gathering spots, and any other areas where you might have some safety concerns, you know, super dark spots. Now, whether you're doing the lighting yourself or hiring a lighting designer, it's important to go with good quality fixtures and components. This is one area where you definitely get what you pay for. Look for those materials like copper and brass. And of course, you're going to want to choose energy efficient bulbs so you don't regret your lighting decision when that electric bill shows up. And if you've avoided lighting in the past because of the cost, think about doing a little bit at a time. You might get a better feel for where you want those lights when you see how each group works together and how beautifully it illuminates your home and your yard. If you're thinking about taking on a lighting project or any other project in your house, pick up the phone right now and give us a call at 888 Money Pit. 
Betty in Texas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? We live in a ranch-style home, and uh, we have several bedrooms and bathrooms where the um, the door frames, up above the door frames on just one side, are cracking, and we have repeatedly have um, contract workers out here to repair them, and it is not held. feel like it's Groundhog Day. You're fixing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty common. Um, around the door frame and around windows, those are the weakest portions of the wall. So mm-hmm. if you have some movement from a normal expansion and contraction, that's where it's going to show. Typically what happens is you'll have a painter or a handyman come out and they'll spackle the crack and paint it, and it seems to go away for a while. But, of course, as soon as the wall moves again, it shows up. What you really have to do here is sand down the area around the crack, and then okay. you have to cover it with a perforated spackle tape, and that usually looks like a like netting and it's a little sticky. You put it across the, the crack and then you spackle over the tape. And that does a permanent repair because it actually sort of melds one side of the wall with the other and it should not separate again the next time the wall moves. Okay. Well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your help. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Joe and Georgia, you've got the money, but how can we help you today with tankless questioning? What's going on? Based on the, the high capital cost and the fact that uh, natural gas prices seem to be at an all-time low, uh, what is the return on investment or payback period? And does the federal government still offer tax credits? Second part of that question, um, is the annual maintenance contract that the installers offer really needed? Okay, well, first of all, the tax credits are less and less today. I believe there are some still some small tax credits. I do like tankless water heaters for a number of reasons, though. First of all, they last a lot longer than a standard tanked water heater. Secondly, they're really energy efficient, and you never run out of hot water. Very very important to me since I've got two teenagers in my house. If I'm the third one to get in the shower, forget it. It's not going to happen. So I like the fact that they never run out of hot water. Uh, and I think if you compare the cost of tankless against not a standard inefficient tank water heater, but a high efficiency tank water heater, you will find that the difference is not that far apart. Um, the contractor service contract, look, you need to have this thing serviced like anything else. I, I don't think it needs a, you know, a big expensive contract. What it's typically going to need is a yearly service. And so I would have to probably judge that against what this contract covered. If the contract covered all of my gas appliances in the house and I felt like it was reasonable, I might do that only for the reason that we know that these gas appliances need service because they burn dirty and they eventually have to be cleaned. Uh, But I will say that these newer, more efficient ones need a lot less maintenance than the older, inefficient ones ever did. Okay. I guess what what I'm hearing out there on um, on the installers is, um, these are standalone service contracts, and, and if you compare that to a traditional hot water heater, you typically don't see any service required. And I think the capital is maybe 10x difference. I mean, maybe $800 for maybe 900 for a hot water heater, and you're looking, I think, upwards of $4,000, I should say. Yeah, that sounds, a little, that sounds a little crazy. I'm not seeing that. I mean, what I'm seeing is if you bought a high-efficiency tank water heater, it might be 1500 bucks, And if you bought a tankless water heater, it might be, you know, two grand or something of that nature. Uh, I'm sure you're going to run into contractors that are really driving the prices up and trying to create, you know, charge you crazy money for service contracts and things like that. You just might not be talking to the right guys, Joe. Do you endorse any particular manufacturer? 
You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a bunch of good ones out there. I mean, Renai makes a good one. Reem, R-H-E-E-M, makes a good one. I'd take a look at those. We're talking about gas, right? Yeah, natural gas. Yeah, I would take a look at Renai and Reem. Okay, excellent. Two good brands. Okay, Joe, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now I've got Randy in Wisconsin who's dealing with a wet basement. How can we help you today? Oh, uh, well, I've got a problem with um, water leaking into my basement. And uh, the situation is I got a cinder block uh, basement, and the uh, right where the rain gutter comes down in one corner of the basement, I'm getting water. It's just coming in in one little tiny spot. And uh, it's it's always in that same spot. And it, it only seems to happen, like, if we get, like, a lot of rain, um, you know, a really fast thaw, something like that. And uh, so what I'm trying to figure out, you know, I know that there's companies out there that, uh, you know, they'll do your whole basement, and that costs thousands of dollars. And I'm just looking for a fix that would probably go a foot or two either way out of a corner. Well, the good news is, Randy, you don't need to hire any of those companies that charge you thousands of dollars. It's a very, very simple problem with a very simple solution. As you mentioned, it uh, happens whenever you get a heavy rainfall. It's right near where you have some rainwater running off. So do I understand you have a gutter spout down here as well? Yes. Okay, so what you need to do is this. First of all, take a look at the grading, which is the angle of the soil in that area. Make sure that you add enough clean fill dirt to slope it away so that you have a drop of about six inches over four feet because you want to create proper runoff. Secondly, and this is the most important thing, you need to make sure that all of your gutters are perfectly clean and free-flowing, that you take that downspout and you extend it out about four feet from the corner. If you do those two things, you will keep that soil around the house dry, and you will stop the leak 100% from happening again. All right. All right, very simple. That sounds good. I'll try that. All right, Randy. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. And yet we saved one more homeowner from wasting money on basement waterproofing systems. But it seems so easy to just give your money away. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. You just want to give your money away. You want to give your money away, <laughs> give it to a good cause. Give it to the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts. Don't give it to the waterproofers because you don't need to. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, you might be looking forward to the warmer weather, but your lawnmower might not be because of all that increased usage. We're going to have expert landscaper Roger Cook from TV's This Old House stopping by to give us tips on how to get your mower in tip-top shape for the season next. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling The Money Pit is brought to you by Isonine. If you're building, remodeling, or re-insulating, demand Isonine spray foam insulation. Isonine fills the spaces other insulations miss for up to 50% energy savings. Learn more and find a dealer at Isonine.com. I-C-Y-N-E-N-E.com.
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 888-MONEYPIT. But hey, there's no need to wait for our radio show to get your question answered. If you become a member of the Money Pit community, you'll be able to post your question 24-7. We now have a top-notch panel of experts ready to answer just about anything home-related you can throw at them. Join now at MoneyPit.com. Now we've got Lorraine in Arizona who needs some help with a paneling decorating project. Welcome, Lorraine. We have an older home that has um, two walls that has paneling on. And I was told that uh, if we took the paneling off, it would probably damage the drywall. So I was considering maybe trying to put something over top of the paneling to give it a different look and wanted some suggestions. Well, it depends. It depends on how it's attached to whatever is behind it. There may not be any drywall behind it. It might just be the paneling attached directly to the studs, in which case you would have to put drywall up. It could be that the paneling was glued to the drywall, then you would never get it off without completely destroying the drywall. Or it could be that it was just nailed on. You're not really going to know until you sort of peer at a corner or an area where you can take off a little bit of trim work and see what exactly is going on before you make a decision. So that's probably best step number one. Now, if you find out that there's really no removing it and your choices are to deal with the paneling and make it look better or cover over it with, you know, quarter inch drywall, you can do that. You know, it depends on how much work you want to do. Painting paneling certainly is an excellent option. I mean, it creates a totally different look when you paint paneling, you know, a crisp, glossy white or an off-white or something that really just poses a good neutral backdrop and just sort of go with it. Okay, this is very light paneling anyway. And I mean, are you at a point where you just want to see it be darker, different, or gone? Different. You know, painting it really does look nice. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, in the end you're going to think, ooh, that doesn't look good. You just have to make sure that you clean it, you prime it well, and then you give it a good top coat. Now, I would really start by just taking off a piece of trimming and door frame and seeing how it's attached. And if you want to truly start with just a fresh look, you can absolutely cover over the entire space with quarter-inch drywall without losing too much space. You're just going to have to sort of bump out your electrical boxes, your switches, your trim work, etc., which for a handy person isn't that big of a deal. So, I mean, it could be a project you could do on your own or to hire somebody wouldn't be that expensive. Okay, sounds good. All right, good luck with that. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, gas-powered lawnmowers and trimmers take their share of abuse during the warmer months, so some care is vital to keeping their parts in good working condition year-round. That's right, and when the grass-cutting season is over, that care is especially important because you want to make sure the mower will run the following spring. Here to tell us how to do just that is landscaping contractor Roger Cook from TV's This Old House. Welcome, Roger. Welcome. Your lawnmower already for winter? Uh, Not quite just yet, but... So many small engine problems are caused by bad fuel. Is that something we really have to guard against when we put our equipment away for the year? Oh, especially for the winter. That fuel can gum up a carburetor and you're going to go to start it up next spring and it is not going to run and it's going to cost you a lot of money to fix. A lot of folks don't realize that uh, gasoline only is good for about 30 days. That's right. Unless you put a fuel stabilizer in it. But even at that, you don't really want to leave any gas in the system over the season, do you? Over the winter season. Very simple to run the mower dry. That's the best way to store it for the winter. 
Uh, stabilizer is great. I use it in a lot of the products and especially the fuel that's going to have be going into my snowblower during the mm-hmm. winter season because that's going to sit for a period of right. time. Nothing worse than starting a snowblower in the middle of a blizzard and have it not fire up. Absolutely. Now, what else do you need to do to uh, get your lawnmower serviced at the end of the season so it's good to go next year? There's a lot of things you can do in the fall and the winter to a lawnmower and all your tools for that matter. We're all so busy in the spring that wintertime is a great time to do some maintenance things. Number one, change the oil on your mower. It'll be clean and fresh and ready to go in the spring. Sharpen the blade. Very simple to do, but it, early in the spring, you're just going to grab that mower and go whether it has a sharp blade or dull blade. Do now, it now. is that something you can do yourself or you just take it off and send it out to have it done? It's very simple operation to do yourself. It involves tipping the mower in some cases on the side and whenever you tip a lawnmower, you want the carburetor up so that none of the fluids will run into the carburetor. Mm-hmm. You may have to have someone hold the mower for you and you're going to need a wrench and a pair of gloves and you can remove the blade from underneath just put it on a bench grinder or even a hand file a good flat file touch up that edge and it'll be ready for spring it doesn't have to be carving knife sharp it just has to be uh, uh, have any of the the chunks taken out of it maybe from a rock and that sort of thing no i like a carving knife sharp. (laughs) you have a problem with that no no your grass believe it or not the grass will grow better when you cut it with a clean edge than if you have a big ragged cut on the end of the blade. All right. Is it a good idea to remove the spark plugs just in case anything sort of kicks on, or once you've got the fuel out, it's not going anywhere? You can pull the wire off the spark plug, and that way there's no way that lawnmower is going to fire up. Now, what about the air filter? Good idea to change that as well? Yeah, and that's pretty easy. You just open up the canister, and in some cases it involves washing it out with soapy water. In other cases, if it's real bad, you can go down and get it and replace it then. Same advice for, say, uh, your uh, weed whacker or any other uh, small piece of a gasoline-powered equipment? Absolutely. And the one thing we didn't even talk about is spark plugs. It's a great time to take the spark plug out, look at it, see what kind of shape it's in. Some people like to clean them up. Usually I'll buy a new one and pop it in. And another step you can do before spring to be ready for spring. That makes so much sense because, like you say, now you have the time. Uh, put that equipment away properly. You're just going to be so happy when you pull it out for the first time in the spring and it fires up instantly. If you're anything like me, you don't have that time in the spring to spend fixing everything. You want it ready and good to go. Good advice. Roger Cook from TV's This Old House, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thanks for having me. All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listings, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House is brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, do you want to start up a neighborhood feud? Well, put up an ugly fence on the wrong side of a property line, and that's exactly what you'll do. We'll give you some tips on the right way to fence in your yard next. You live in a body pit. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. One lucky caller this hour is going to get a $250 gift certificate to Lumber Liquidators. Now, Lumber Liquidators, they eliminate that middleman and are buying directly from the manufacturer. So that means that you are going to save on a huge variety of flooring, and you can really make that $250 gift certificate go far. So give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT for help with your home improvement project and your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Linda in Illinois, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? We bought the house next door to us, and he had dogs and a cat. 
he uh, apparently let them use his house as a bathroom. Oh, no. That's oh, terrible. yeah. Never and the thing. smell of urine was really bad. And my husband took up all the subfloor and put it outside, let it air out. You, you took up the, the plywood floor? Yeah, it was boards, small boards. Okay. Like one-inch boards or something. All right, it probably was one by. Yeah. yeah. All right. And he had to take that up to fix floor joists. Okay. So we put it outside, to, hoping to air out the urine smell, and then he put it back down, and he put three-quarter inch OSB on top of that. Oh. But sometimes when you walk in there, you still smell the urine smell. Especially yeah. on a humid day. Yes. So is there anything you can buy to put on there to get rid of that smell? I mean, there are several things you can do. The OSB, have you put any actual flooring on top of that yet? Or can you still take that up? No, we was wanting to put laminate on top okay. of it. So before you do that, pick up the OSB. Right. And what I would recommend, I mean, at this point, because you're dealing with one by, now, Tom, they essentially don't need the one by, correct? The OSB could go directly on top of those floor joists and get rid of that. No, I mean, you didn't have to put the one by back down again, but the problem is you've already covered, you've already covered the problem with OSB. And what, what Leslie's leading to is that you, what he should have done is primed all of that subfloor uh. you know, with a, with a good, oil-based primer because that would seal in the wood and so now that you put the osb on top of that i'm afraid even if you were to prime the osb the odor will still somehow work its way through right so i'm thinking pick up the osb pull up the one by put the osb down and just get rid of the one by well these animals are long gone but their smell has lingered on and i think that if you take up that old flooring and i know you tried to probably save a few bucks by putting it back but if you either prime it or just replace it with the OSB, you'll be much better off for it. Linda, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, putting up a fence can add style, security, and value to your property, but it can also be an eyesore, it can be a maintenance headache, and it can possibly cause a battle with your neighbors. To avoid all of these pitfalls and more, you need to plan very carefully. First up, Check your property lines. You don't want to build in your neighbor's yard. And you also want to check with local officials to make sure you don't need a permit to build one. Many times you do. Now, once you're sure about those things, you can start thinking about what kind of fence you'd like. And there's lots to choose from. Mm -hmm, That's right. You know, fencing is available in so many materials, including natural or pressure treated woods, vinyl and metal. Now, natural wood can be beautiful, but it's going to require the most maintenance. Also, you've got to remember that there are two sides to that fence, and it needs to look good from the outside as well as the inside. And you don't want to try to save some money on your gate because it's going to take the most wear and tear. And it can also be a security risk if somebody leaves it open. So add a spring hinge that will help it swing back into place. Now, that is super important if you've got a pool. And of course, a pool means a whole host of other rules. So really think smartly if you've got a pool that you want to fence in. And finally, one installation tip for wood fences, don't install them too close to the ground. We tend to put them right on the ground, and guess what happens? Moisture gets up into the bottom of those wood slats. The carpenter ants, the termites follow, and that fence doesn't last nearly as long as it should. If you'd like a complete checklist and more advice on the best fences, just Google Money Pit Fence Building. All right, now I've got James in Florida on the line who's got a question about insulation. How can we help you? Okay, uh... I have 
house with a four-inch layer of installation, the fiberglass installation. And I'm wondering if I can put down a layer of uh, the the sheeting that's called radiant barrier? Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for you to use a radiant barrier. I think the jury's still out on whether or not it's going to work. I think if you've only got four inches of insulation, the single most effective thing that you could do is to add more insulation there. I, I mean, it, it depends on how much room you have there. In, most homes need 19 to 22 inches. If you've got a low attic space and you can only get in 12, then you take what you can get. But uh, you know, if you can get more insulation in there, that's going to make a big difference to you. And make sure you also add additional ventilation to the roof space because that's going to let any moist air uh, out that collects in there in the cooler seasons. Sure. Thank you very much. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Happy spring, everybody. Coming up next, if your home has ever encountered carpenter ants, you know they are no fun. We'll tell you how to keep your house off the carpenter ant menu next. The Money Pit is brought to you by Santa Fe, makers of the world's most energy-efficient basement and crawl space dehumidifier. Santa Fe offers a complete line of high-capacity Energy Star-rated dehumidifiers specifically designed to effectively operate in the cooler temperatures of crawl spaces and basements. Visit dehumidifiersolutions.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, have you ever noticed soot sticking to the walls in your home? Well, that's soot. It might not actually be soot. It could actually be mold. So why not head on over to our website, moneypit.com, and search identifying molds and soot, and you can learn how to tell if that black spot is just annoying or possibly dangerous. And guess what, guys? Every home in this entire United States of America, regardless of your state being super dry like Arizona, you've got mold. So you got to pay attention to this, okay? Sorry, mold exists in many places besides your refrigerator leftovers. (laughs) And while you're online, you can post your question to us at moneypit.com in the community section. And that's what Tom did from New York. All right. And Tom wrote, I'm thinking about adding vinyl siding. The house has wood shingles on it right now. Some contractors say that the wood shingles have to come off and others say the shingles must stay on, which is right. You know, that's a great question because there are two ways to put on siding and there's different uh, contractors are obviously going to bid uh, differently. And that's makes this is one of the reasons it makes it hard for you to kind of figure out uh, who's giving you the best price because the specification, the way they're going to do the job varies. Now, personally, I prefer to take off old siding on a house before putting on vinyl siding for a couple of reasons, including which that when you put the siding on on top of existing siding, then everything gets sort of gets pushed out further. You have to pack out your window trim. The, the windows become deeper in terms of the trim. Well, what about moisture? Well, I... I don't, I'm not really so concerned about moisture one way or the other. There certainly is no insulating value to leaving the old siding there. I think really it comes down to workmanship. Mm-hmm. It's just a sloppier job to go on top of the old siding. So I prefer to take it off. And I especially prefer to take it off if it's cement asbestos, which is very common in some parts of the country, because you don't want to trap all that asbestos underneath the vinyl. So my advice is to take the old siding off to put up a vapor barrier, building paper, whatever you're going to use, and then put new vinyl siding on. The siding's going to lay nicer. It'll be flatter. It'll be smooth. It'll be a cleaner job, and it'll look normal. I can tell when vinyl's been put on on top of other types of siding because the exterior walls just become unnaturally thick and the windows mm-hmm. sort of unnaturally deep because it has to be packed out. The trim has to be brought so much forward to you know, essentially make the room to attach the vinyl siding. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So really, it's always best to start with a fresh slate. All right, next up, we've got a post from Holly who writes, As soon as it's warm enough, I'm going to build a storage shed for my lawn and garden supplies. We've already had encounters with carpenter ants. What can I do to make sure they don't turn my new shed into their home? There's a couple of things that you can do, Holly. Um, first, environmentally, you want to not create a, a situation where carpenter ants are going to find the space really attractive. How do you do that? Well, you have good drainage on that shed. I mean, even putting gutters on it is a good idea. You don't have uh, firewood or anything else sort of piled up along the outside. And secondly, you can use a carpenter ant bait. You could have it professionally applied. There are some do-it-yourself products where they essentially take the bait back to the nest, pass it from insect to insect, and that kind of wipes out the colony. Carpenter ants are really a maintenance issue. You generally don't get them all the first time. They'll come back again and again, but you will reduce the populations to the point where they really don't have uh, enough ants to really do serious damage. Yeah, Holly, you know, with carpenter ants, it's good because it's telling you, hey, spring is here, the weather's getting warmer, the ground is warming up, perfect for gardening. But it's also bad because you're thinking, oh, nuts, they're going to go into my home. Are they going to eat the shed? So you really have to be careful and take the proper steps. I mean, you're spending all this time building the shed. Let's make sure it doesn't end up on the carpenter ants menu. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on this first weekend of spring. Thank you so much for spending it with us. We hope that you get the opportunity to head out and take on a project that makes your house more beautiful, safer, more comfortable, and makes you feel great for getting it done yourself this weekend. We're available to help 24-7 at 888-MONEY-PIT or online all the time at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a money pit. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.